It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It is probably the greenest place I've ever been to in my entire life. The only other colour was the occasional red flame tree, which really pops out at you because it is just a madness of green. I've never seen anything like that. Jane Flanagan, the Times Africa correspondent, was deep in the bewindy, impenetrable forest. A forest whose name pretty much tells you all you need to know about the last place on Earth where you can still find mountain gorillas. Undaunted, Jane ventured into the dark, impenetrable forest in search of one particular group of them. We set off down the valley with our ranger and someone to help us carry our things. We were looking for a particular group of gorillas called the Nukaringo family. And we passed through the tea plantations and all around there are terraces of vegetables and crops. As we approach the park, you can almost feel the temperature changing. You're going into a very different environment the uh, thick tree canopies. There are hundreds of types of trees in that forest. It's known locally as the place of darkness and you can understand why because there is almost no light in there. It's incredibly wet, it's incredibly dense, it's incredibly thick. And the only sounds really you can hear are the sounds of wildlife. There are no roads nearby. You don't hear any machinery, any man-made noises, just the sound of wildlife. And then you can hear grunts, and then you can hear the snapping of branches, and you know you've come across a gorilla family.
You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, the impenetrable forest and the murder of a silverback gorilla. Today's episode is in support of Tusk, one of three charities backed by The Times and The Sunday Times Christmas Appeals. It's like watching yourselves, really. They are our closest animal relative. And watching mothers with their children and watching them feed and play and communicate with each other and handle their branches and move about, you realise how close to us they are. And when you make eye contact with them, You're not supposed to make eye contact with them, actually. They don't like that. When you make eye contact with a gorilla or when it meets your gaze, you're supposed to drop your gaze because it makes them feel self-conscious. It makes them feel uh, uncomfortable. And one of the protocols is that, you know, you must not interfere with them as, uh, as much as possible. But when they do meet your gaze for that split second, it really is a moment you you do remember and it is a moment of connection with our closest animal relatives and it is it is very special and particularly as a mother i was looking at one of the mother gorillas with her toddlers and it really did take me back as she was sort of swaying her head to keep out of the way of the moving branch as he was waving it around and gently grunting at him just to keep him in line and to remind him to not stray too far away. I had a lot of empathy for her. She she looked like she was putting up with quite a lot and that toddler was quite trying. But nevertheless, the, the bond between them and just how fixed her gaze was on him, watching every moment, really in a way that any mother of a toddler, I think, can relate to. I was very fortunate to be accompanied by Gladys Kalema Zikusoka, who is Uganda's probably best known wildlife vet. And she has studied the group I was particularly interested in visiting. She studied them for 20 years. Gorilla groups are arranged in a harem where you generally have a lead silverback, a lead adult male gorilla with many females and babies. Dr. Gladys Kalema Zikuzoka, or Dr. Gladys, as everyone calls her, also runs a charity called Conservation Through Public Health. And yes, she did just say that gorillas aren't organised along traditional family lines. They group together in something a bit more like a harem. This dominant silverback is the one who determines where they're going to go that day and what they're going to do. And he's the one who holds the group together. And generally, he protects his family. You were there to look at how the dynamics within this gorilla group were working, really because of one story. So tell me me about Rafiki. Rafiki was probably Uganda's most famous silverback. He had been habituated to visitors decades ago. His group was one of the first to be introduced to tourists, and he had become a superstar. If you Google the name Rafiki, which means friend in Swahili, 
You will find many references to Rafiki on TripAdvisor, on travel blogs. He was a very charismatic animal and had raised millions of pounds towards conserving his own species over the year. Each gorilla family is estimated to raise $1.2 million a year in permits. So they really are a very, very important tourism and conservation asset. And no more so than Rafiki, who was the head of this very uh, popular group, has sweet babies and naughty juveniles. And Rafiki managed his troop or his family of 17 very, very carefully. And in June, I wrote a story that he had been killed. It was uh, a shocking event. It was a spearing by a poacher that killed him. He died a very slow and painful death. And it was a death that was shocking in, in the primate world. And it was shocking in the tourism sector in East Africa. And there were immediately fears about the fate of his family because when a dominant male like that dies very suddenly, panic runs through a family. The Uganda Wildlife Authority was very, very concerned that if they break up, then we'll lose Nkuringo Gorilla Group. So I was very worried that with the loss of their leader, Rafiki, a wild silverback could potentially come and take over the group. And of course, when a wild silverback comes, he could even kill the babies of the females that are there because they want to be the, the one that's siring all the babies. And so we were all very concerned and the gorillas were unsettled for a number of days. Just after a few days, the group started to break up. Six gorillas left the group. And so the group reduced from 17 gorillas to 11 gorillas as a result of the death of Rafiki, which is very sad. Was it very alarming for you watching these gorillas leaving? It was very alarming, but it was kind of expected because generally the females, if they feel that the silverback can look after them, they'll stay in the group. If they feel that he's not capable of looking after them, they'll leave. And actually what alarmed us more, which, which alarmed me a lot, was that there was no other silverback in the Nkuringo gorilla group, where Rafiki was heading. The other three were blackbacks, which were young males, which have not yet matured. And we were worried that they're either going to fight for the leadership position, which is also going to be a bit of a problem, or the leader of the group is not going to be that well respected by the rest, and the group may continue to break up. Gorillas are an endangered species. In the 1980s, there were only 250 mountain gorillas left in the whole world. Now, there are over a 1,000, all of them living in the Bewindi impenetrable forest. Huge strides have been made in protecting them, but the loss of a whole group of mountain gorillas, like this, would have been devastating. And for Dr Gladys, the loss was personal. I get to know them really well. I really get attached to them. And it was a huge shock. It was a huge shock because he was such a friendly silverback. He was always, whenever you'd go to that group, you'd know this is someone I know. This is a, a gorilla that I know in the group. And we'll always be excited to look out for Rafiki. 
I had last seen Rafik in February and I, I didn't know it was going to be my last time to see him. So it, it was very sad for me and for everyone. He was just very calm, you know, in the group, watching everybody. He was eating and, you know, making some contented noises, sounds, like acknowledging that we've come and happy to accommodate us in his presence to visit his group. Rafiki, a friendly, contented gorilla, would be murdered just a few weeks later. The human and the gorilla communities in Bwindi have come to depend on each other. So why would anyone want to kill the forest's most famous resident? How was it possible that the one gorilla who was the greatest draw for tourists, the tourists that the people who live around the forest depend on, for their livelihoods. How did he become the victim of a local poacher? It wasn't just the gorillas Jane hoped to observe in the forest. She also wanted to see what had happened to the local community of people. She soon found out. Towards the end of our hour, there was a noise that I wasn't expecting to hear, and that was the noise of children. Children who had been sent down to pick leaves in the tea plantation. And I guess in that moment it struck me how close this wildlife population is to the human population. Before the park was designated a protected area in the 90s, Bwindi Forest was home to a human population, subsistence uh, hunters and farmers lived in the forest and lived off the forest. And the forest was their life. It was their life and their livelihood. And when the park was designated as a protected area in the early 90s, the human population were moved out of the forest and up the hill into uh, a different area. And I think in the early days that caused a lot of resentment because a very traditional way of living was brought to a halt. And obviously the change of that dynamic, the new protection given to that park, was the source of conflict. And it has taken a very long time and a lot of energy to manage that relationship between the wildlife and the human populations so that gorillas are seen as an asset and not a source of food or something that people can kill and make money from. And the way that has been done is by the rise of guerrilla tourism, primate tourism, whereby tourists pay a lot of money, up to $700 for an hour with the gorillas. That is one of the most expensive wildlife experiences you can have in the world. But the money raised from that activity does go towards supporting the local human population so that they also have a stake in the gorillas. The gorilla tourism industry has has thrown up lodges. It now provides a whole range of livelihoods, souvenir selling, carrying people's bags, working in hotels, driving, cooking. It absolutely fuels the local economy there in Buindi. How big a problem has poaching in the forest been in recent years? Poaching is always going to go on. 
in a place like Bawindi, you've got a very poor population and perhaps not everybody is making money out of tourism. There are also people who are hunters and that is the way they have always lived. That has been the tradition in their family. Breaking the hunting or poaching habit is going to be impossible in some parts of the community. The lockdown in Uganda, which saw the tourism industry shutter, really, back in March, had devastated the local community in Bwindi. All of a sudden, livelihoods that were most entirely dependent on the tourism industry, on the guerrilla trekking industry, vanished overnight. The loss of tourism has been a huge blow to conservation across Africa, and Bwindi is just an example of that. When you have not tourists on the ground and rangers in the park and you haven't got eyes on the park in the way that you would normally, then there are going to be a lot more opportunities for people to go in to log for firewood and to sell and also to look for protein to eat. So poaching has gone up enormously. So could Rafiki have become the most unlikely victim of the global pandemic? The poacher who killed Rafiki had not gone in to kill a gorilla. Gorillas aren't hunted in the way that they used to be. The poacher had gone in with his snare to trap something small. He was looking for a bush pig or a little buck called a daker. And he'd put his snare down in pretty much in the area where I was visiting the group. And when he came back, he found a little bush pig was in that snare and he stabbed it with his spear and it was in that moment that Rafiki charged him and in self-defence he threw a spear at Rafiki and the gorilla was fatally injured. We'll hear more about how the killing of Rafiki has affected the gorillas and the people in the impenetrable forest in just a moment. This is the second of our special episodes on the Christmas appeals backed by the Times and the Sunday Times. Today, we're looking at Tusk, a charity that protects endangered species across Africa. Tusk funds organisations like Dr Gladys's Conservation Through Public Health, which helps to reduce the conflict between animals and humans in the Bewindi Impenetrable Forest by helping to meet the needs of both. You can donate now by going to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Christmas Appeal. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I mean, what do we know about the poacher who killed Rafiki? Who, who is he? The poacher is Felix Bayam Mukama, who's 27. And he lives in the community at the top of the valley. He lives on a compound of 14 family members. He has a wife called Maclean, and they have three children, aged three and under. And Felix looked after not only his own wife and children, but other members of the family, including his elderly grandfather, who I met, who's mostly blind and needs expensive medicine. I asked the grandfather who what sort of person Felix was, and he said... Felix was the person who provided for us all. If you needed anything, Felix made sure you had it. Felix was caught very quickly after the death of Rafiki. He was given up by people in his community who were angry at the loss of Rafiki, very mindful that Rafiki was a draw card for the tourists. And they were panicking now about if Rafiki is gone, and that family disappears, then who is going to come to our area and spend their money? He was arrested and he pleaded guilty at his court case, but cited self-defense as the reason for spearing the gorilla. But he was jailed for 11 years. 11 years. The wildlife authorities have been lobbying for harsh penalties for gorilla deaths for some time really as a deterrent. So this was the harshest sentence ever seen for a crime like this. And at the time, back in July, it was very widely welcomed as sending a very strong message to the local community that if you are in the forest and anything happens to a gorilla, this is what's going to happen to you. After the death of Rafiki, back in June, a lot of those, including Dr Gladys, who knew Rafiki, were very shocked to hear from the poacher that the gorilla had charged him. 
because they said, well, that would be very out of character. That is a gorilla who is visited by humans every day of his life and has been for decades. He would never show aggression towards a human being without a reason. And there was a lot of concern or, or curiosity about really what happened. In search of answers about what had really happened on that fateful day in June, Jane and Dr Gladys went to meet the poacher's family. Dr Gladys had known Rafiki for most of his life. It seemed so out of character for him to charge at a human. How had this tragedy come to pass? Here's what the poacher's family told them. He went in to hunt bush pigs and daika, which is a small antelope unique to the windy forest. And he went in to hunt them for food, but in, he ex- accidentally came across Rafiki. We found out that actually when he speared the bush pig, it screamed and the silverback got scared because he thought they're attacking one of his own and charged. It's very, very normal for silverbacks to charge because they're always doing it to protect their family. And most of the time it's a mock charge. The silverback charged, Rafiki charged, and the poacher got scared and speared him, which was very, very sad. I mean, the awful thing is that killing has left you know, a family of gorillas without their main provider. But I suppose it's had a similar impact on the poacher's family too. I mean, are, are there parallels between what's happened within both communities? There are parallels, and that is why I wanted to visit both families, because this random violent event has had a devastating impact on both the gorilla family involved and the human family involved. That poacher is now in jail for 11 years. I wanted to see how one family was faring without its provider and the other family was faring without its provider. And... Dr. Gladys and I did come away from our visit to to Bwindi and to Felix's family, actually believing that the poacher's family are faring far less well. I was shocked to find out that actually the family of the poacher didn't even know which jail he was in because I asked them, how's he doing in jail? Have you been to see him? How's his health? And they said, no, we haven't, we haven't been to see him in jail. The hearing was in July they didn't have any legal representation for him. And he is serving time in a prison. They're not quite sure where. They're very, windy is far. It is a remote area. You know, it is 90 minutes on a bumpy road to the nearest airstrip. I don't know where the nearest prison would be, but it would be some hours travel away. You know, the loss of a family member is one thing, but to actually have no idea what their fate is, is, is something else entirely. MacLean, his, his wife, has had to send one of her three children away. Interestingly, there are three children, three little ones in, in both families. She's had to send her three-year-old to live with a relative. She's really living hand-to-mouth. She does have some labouring work on a nearby property, where she goes and picks crops and weeds for a, a local farmer, but she earns one pound twenty a day. 
And it's absolutely backbreaking work. And then she doesn't really have anyone to leave her children with. There's other family members on the compound, but quite a lot of them are not in a position to provide reliable childcare. Everyone has been thrown into real panic and desperation because of the loss of tourism and the lack of jobs and livelihoods. So MacLean is really struggling and she was incredibly uh, bleak when I visited her. 11 years feels like an extremely long time. She can't even think what the next seven or eight weeks is going to be like. It sounds incredibly tough. Are they getting much support from the community? One of Tusk's Local projects, Conservation Through Public Health, is a local NGO which is very much embedded in the Windy community. That's Dr Gladys's organisation. Working both to protect the gorillas, but in tandem with meeting the needs of the local human population, has identified that family as very much in need and they have now provided them with some ready-to-grow crops so that they can at least get a garden going quite quickly so that they can grow some food for themselves and, if possible, sell the excess to make some cash. That charity does an awful lot of work in the community because they know that you can't protect gorillas unless you're meeting the needs of the human neighbours because they really are interdependent and they're really seeing that the COVID pandemic, because it is going to take a long time for those jobs to recover. It is going to take a long time for the tourist industry to recover. And people will, of course, go to the forest to look for food and wood if they're desperate. If their children are not eating, they will take the risk and they will set their snares and go down with their spears and dogs to the forest to look for food. And what about the gorilla family? I know you you visited both to work out how they were coping after after the awful incident, but how are they regrouping? Well, the conservationists who observe that family are thrilled. They think they've pulled something off that is not often seen, which is they've mostly stayed together. A young black back called Ramutwe has stepped up. He's about 15. He was sitting very proudly in the middle of the group when I visited and keeping a close eye on everyone. And he kept making these low rumbling grunts. And I said to the ranger, what does that mean? He keeps doing that. And he said, no, he's just telling everyone that it's fine. Carry on as normal. Everything's fine. He just grunts and lets them know that, don't worry, I've got my eye on these human beings. As you were, carry on. And... He did. He sat and he observed us and he was right in the middle of the group. Huge, huge young guy, alpha silverback male. When they reach their prime and become the dominant male, they can weigh up to 200 kilograms. These are vast beasts. And Ramutwe is obviously well on his way to that. Ramutwe in Swahili means big head. And he certainly had that. And Gladys, who obviously has observed him, since he was very young, was very impressed to see how he's matured and handling his new responsibilities. When we went to visit the group with Jane from The Times, I was happy, actually, Ramutwe, the new head of the group, looked bigger. 
just in a couple of months, he had already grown bigger and he's already beginning to silver. We see a little bit of silver beginning to happen come on his chin. Really? Yeah, I think in a year or so, he will start to become a silverback and really earn his full respect. <laughs> but I, I would say that the group is beginning to settle down. We were able to see the three females with the babies. The two older babies were playing with each other. And the blackbacks came nearby. And I, I think it was a really peaceful visit. And, you know, Ramutwe is really like now leading the group and the group has settled down. wish to donate to Tusk, which supports many local organisations like Dr Gladys's conservation through public health, then please, please go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Christmas Appeal. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, the Times Africa correspondent Jane Flanagan and Dr. Gladys Kalema Zikuzoka, wildlife vet and founder and CEO of Conservation Through Public Health. You can read more of Jane's work online with a subscription to The Times. Go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Join today and get one month free. The producer was Asia Fuchs. The executive producer is Poppy Damon and sound design was by Nicola Rawfast. If you can, please do leave us a review. And if you'd like to get in touch about any story ideas or if you have any thoughts about what you've just heard, then please do drop us an email at storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. See you tomorrow. Subscribe today and get one month free at thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.